are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 1st of July 2021. This week, Paul talks to actor George Wilson about his early days working on Grange Hill as a child, growing up in the public eye, and his battles with mental health, which ultimately led to a brand new book. Joining me now on the line uh, is uh, somebody who I uh, grew up with. Uh, I was uh, while I was busy kicking a ball around and finishing school and coming home after school and checking out what was on the telly. Uh, my guest was busy being on the telly, uh, and uh, I've got a, g- a great pleasure in welcomed George Wilson to the show this morning. How you doing, George? I'm okay, Paul. Thanks. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm doing fine. Thanks. Yeah. Whereabouts are you calling us from this morning? <laughs> oh, that's a long story. Um, basically. <laughs> Place called St Helens, uh, in Merseyside. Oh, you're not far away then. It's 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 not a million yeah. miles away from the Rossendale Valley. You're just down the M62. That's all right. Uh, and uh, you are a, a proud scouser, uh, and uh, and this was how you arrived on our screens. As uh, I remember it distinctly, it was the first voice on Grain Jill that, that we thought this is this is not a lad from London. What's going on here? Uh, and you you hit that kind of child stardom thing. I mean, how old were you when you first joined Grain Jill? 15, 15, right. I got the audition. So that was when 15 when you got the audition. I mean, uh, uh, we can only sort of, I mean, I was a sort of an aspiring actor at that age myself and I could only sort of uh, imagine what it was like. I mean, uh, you had three years on the show. What uh, just, I mean, we, uh, what, uh, try and uh, your book sort of really brings it together. But how, what, how did you tr- sort, of, uh, sort of find that, that experience at such a young age of being sort of catapulted into the mainstream media? It was. I loved it to be honest. It, four years, it, it worked out in the end. It was mm. four years, eight five to the to the end of eighty eight. So yeah. it worked out four. But it was it, it was probably the most exciting years of of, of my fifty years on the planet. You know, <laughs> um, if I had to say it, it was just full of you know meeting new friends, mm. living in London, having money, fame, uh, you know, plenty of girlfriends. <laughs> it was just obviously that was a perk. Um, you know, there was it was just it just I just had everything I could possibly want at that age. You know, good clothes, nice clothes, going on holidays with my pals whenever I wanted. I, I just wanted for nothing, and it was it was really exciting. And and um, at the time, you don't really appreciate it. You know, you, you don't you don't think how you don't realize how good it is until years on when you look back. You know. Yeah, and this is the thing about your book. Uh, now, I'll, we'll, we'll go for the title of the book, and that will sort of bring us into to some of those ups and downs that you've had over the years. And it's, it's quite a hard-hitting book and very raw, as, as you were telling me just off air a second ago. The title of the book is called From Grange Hill to Bipolar and Back. Uh, and that sort of implies, I think that pretty much you know sums up the whole journey of the book. Uh, and uh, you, you're very honest in the book about your, your struggles with bipolar disorder and about how, how that's, that's changed over time. Do you, is, that, is that something that you think, you know, that you were just saying about that sort of, like, you know, getting everything that you could possibly dream of at the age of 15? Do you think that's sort of uh, affected or as, as time has gone on, do you think that that's been something that was a, a kind of catalyst to, to your struggles a little bit further down the line? Yeah, yeah, it it it, it, it contributed hmm. um, in the long run. In the long run, um, only because th- that way of life was so good, and obviously it had to end. Hmm. It had to end at some point. It was never going to last forever. That life, um, 
I suppose that's the thing about you know, Jill is that you know you, you've got to reach year eleven at some point, or you have to leave. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, you know, being unless I went on to be the caretaker, <laughs> you know, there was nothing, nothing to keep me there. Mm. Um, so obviously, it, it ended uh, after the four years, and things it started. Things were okay at first, but mm. things obviously started to go wrong. You know, the money runs out. Uh, I had a few bereavements. Mm. Close bereavements, family bereavements. Uh, I witnessed the Hillsborough disaster, which, which obviously affected me. I, I wasn't in the crush, but I was. Mm. I was in the stands, and I used to have nightmares about that and, and etc. So that always played on me. So yeah, there was bad th- bad things did happen, and eventually in '91, when I was 21, I, I just I just cracked. I just yeah. went, you know, and it creeped up on me. It, there was no, I didn't know really before this that I had a, a deep Ill, deep line illness inside, yeah. or I was prone to it, depression um, and uh, anxiety and manic behaviour. I just didn't know. I just it just sort of all came uh, built up built up over a few months, and then eventually I just I just. I, I, like a whirlwind, you know. I was I'm whirled into hospital. That was the uh, the, the best place for me. Uh, and, and you you yeah. go into quite a lot of detail in the book about that that first time um, in, sort of a, a, being at a psychiatric hospital back in 1991. Um, we're we're going to pick up on that if that's all right. Just after your first music choice. Now you've chosen uh, "Sweet Home Alabama" for us. It's a cracking tune. Uh, any particular reason why you went for this one? It's probably my favourite song. You know, I know it's called "Sweet Home Alabama," mm. but it could be anywhere. Sweet home anywhere, and I love Leonard Skinner, and I have been to see them a few about five years ago. Uh, me and my dad went in Manchester, and it's just fantastic concerts. Mm. And it was the lead singer who died, uh, Van Zant. You know, it, it was his mm. brother, John Van Zant's brother, and he was just incredible. He just sounded like him. Obviously. It, it, it's not the same lineup as we know. The, the, the you know a few of them died in a, in a plane crash, mm. but it was it was it was still an unbelievable concert. Well, and that song, anyway, just as I say, is probably my favourite. I was going to say it could be anywhere. Let's go for it. it can be Sweet Home St. Ellen, Sweet Home Rossendale. We we don't mind, but uh, <laughs> well, let's let's have a listen to it now. Look for Ad Rossendale Radio on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. This is Rossendale Radio. There you go. That was Sweet Home Alabama, the choice of my guest, George Wilson, this morning. Uh, now, George, we were talking just before we listened to that song about your uh, being admitted to hospital in 1991. Now, that wasn't the only time uh, that you found yourself sort of back in that sort of uh, psychiatric sort of setting. Uh, and and this this kind of came about after you were... Uh, and it says in the, in, the, in the preface of the book, all hell broke loose on a mountaintop. Uh, it, what on earth was the situation you found yourself in there? <laughs> well, I've been all right for seven or eight years. Mm. You know, I, I lived abroad and worked abroad, and I'd you know a few of the good jobs, writing plays, producing them. You got a job on Bro- Brookside as well, didn't you, for a, for a time? Oh yeah, mm. oh yeah, I could have that. And <laughs> in '96, uh, mm. so yeah, everything was fine. You know, and this is when it. This is the, this is the strange thing about this illness. It can get you when you're very low and things are going wrong, or it can also get you when you're doing really well and happy. Yeah. So there's no, you know, there's no um, time when you're safe, really. 
So this is where I have to be careful in life, not to get too high and not to get too low. Hmm. Now, I was in South Wales doing a play that me and a, a good pal of mine, probably my closest pal, Stevie, were writing and produced called The, the Titanic, hmm. An Untold Story, which was basically about two Welsh boxers who died on the Titanic, which was a true story, hmm. which we researched with the families we researched and wrote and put on, on this um, in this little Welsh village in South Wales. And that's when I, it, was, it was a good seven months' work on this, from writing it to, to producing it, to casting it, to getting... We didn't direct it, but we'd done more or less everything. That, I'm even starred in it. We, we give ourselves little cameos. Hmm. It was the work on that that wore me down. Yeah. Uh, basically, it literally wore me down. And not long after that, I started having, again, these delusions that I get, which I imagine things that aren't happening. Hmm. Don't hear voices, but... I imagine things, and they're very scary things. And this is what happened. My girlfriend was staying with me, with my son, and he was only a baby. He was literally about three months old, if yeah. that. And it happened when they were there in the house. That's when I erupted. And I ended up in a in a hospital in South Wales, which, funny enough, out of all the five hospitals I've, I've stayed in, was the most beautiful and scenic because I woke up I didn't know where I was I just woke up at uh, say about nine o'clock in the morning mm. I knew all hell had broke loose the night before and I had to be sedated and um, handcuffed by the police because that's how severe it gets you yeah. don't know what you're doing you know you're, you're quite um, uh, dangerous really because you have to imagine things that aren't happening yet for instance I was imagining the police had come to the house to to te to harm my baby, my son. Yeah. So when you've got that state of mind, you'll do anything to protect your child. You know. So I was I was c confronting the police as they come in uh, with no fear, no, and the strength of many men. So wakes up in this hospital nine o'clock, whatever, and I just walk through the hospital, didn't know where I was, I thought, where the hell am I here, you know, and open the doors to these beautiful mountains, rivers in the background, wildlife birds, you know, in the on the grounds, and I just, I thought, wow, I just sat on this hill, and that was me for the next few months, just chilling out, and it's, it's like, you pay thousands for that, if you were anywhere else <laughs> in the world. It's yeah. It's I mean, it's not it's not the the, the usual go to that you go for if you were looking for a nice break in South Wales. But at the same time, I, I can imagine how that re reconnection with nature and the, the mountains, as you were saying, can can make a massive difference because it is with bipolar. It's it's one of those things. That, like you said, it's about finding a level for yourself, isn't it? And finding where your middle ground is. Um, and it's uh, it, what's what's great about your book is, and we were talking about this. Uh, is that you when i'm re when i've been reading it it's been very much about it feels like you're talking to me just as you're talking to me now on the page it, and you, you mentioned that that you wanted to find that that kind of tone right when you were when you were telling people about this this story that you've been through yeah yeah i just i wrote i, I mean i didn't ever when i wrote it hmm. i didn't do it to, i wasn't thinking book uh, i wasn't thinking money i wasn't thinking hmm. educated people i've just done it for the therapeutic reasons because for 40 years or something whatever it is 35 years I'd, I'd kind of 
I've never spoke about it really. I've always kept it to myself, bottled it up, and I just it was like a release in a way to get it all out into a into on paper to because I've never had you know. So mm. and then people, I started sending it to a few close family and friends, and they were saying to me, George this is good enough to be published. Mm. You've got to send this out to publishers, etc. So I did, and uh, I, I didn't expect anything, to be honest. But I, a few publishers come back, which surprised me, mm. wanting to take it on. And I did eventually go with these chipmunk uh, publishers because, for simple reason, they were mental health publishers. Yeah. I thought, well, they would understand where I'm coming from and uh, probably treat me differently than maybe another publisher might... Because the guy who the, the, the head guy was um, he was the same as me. He had bipolar, mm. and I think um, that's the thing is there's 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 now much more of a, of an outlet for people to be able to talk about um, mental illness and and about uh, we, you know we have a show on a, on a Wednesday evening here on uh, on on Rossendale Radio called Mental Health Matters. You know, regularly people t- talking just about first hand experience or about you know ways of of, of coping and dealing because there are there are coping mechanisms we can use. And you talk about you know really honestly about how you've found that that that, that you know living with with an illness uh, to a to a degree and not let it control you uh, and 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 that's a that's a that's a really positive thing which this book totally contributes to yeah i, I wanted to get me stories i was obviously the, fun, the good stories the funny stories the, the sad and the bad whatever mm. um but there's a message in the whole book which is just basically look i've lived a good life and uh, whatever and but there were certain things are done which never helped me in the long run and so look at look for these these warning signs if you like you know where I went wrong and you know if I had to live life differently maybe I, I, I may have I may not have had as many hospitalizations as I did or none at all I don't know um, I'll never know. I, I think there's oh. a re- you, your really positive message here is that, I mean this is at the end of the blurb of the book it says importantly remember it's one of the most frightening things in the world but it's not the end of the world and I think that's such a positive message to, to give to people that you know anything can be lived through if you see what I mean that's 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 the thing I've taken from reading the book so far well you look at it like this I, I, yeah I have been through hell and back but what I do now is I work in a in a psychiatric hospital uh, on the ward yeah as a, as a support worker, so because I love to, the young lads come in, you know they can be nineteen, twenty years of age, and I, I I can get them at a young age and I can talk to them. They come to me now after after a little bit, they start to confide in you, and I, I can do what I want, play pool, we sit in the garden, we sit in the chill room, we can have one to ones, and I have got them at a young age. Some of them are older as well, my age, and I haven't haven't quite learn some of the tricks of the trade yet and I can talk to them. So I use everything I've, I've absorbed and took over the years to pass on now, mm. which which to, to me is, 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 is as good as anything, you know. I, I, honestly, I'm going to I'm going to recommend the book to to all of our listeners. It's called From Grange Hill to Bipolar and Back. It's by George Wilson. Uh, now you've been uh, I've, I've noticed you've been doing a, a fair bit of, uh, of promotion for the book since it was released uh, just at the end of 2019. Uh, it even took you back onto uh, back onto the TV. I think you ended up uh, on this morning at some point or another, didn't you? I certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. Who was it? Who, who did you get? What was it? Was it a Phil and Holly day? <laughs> Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what was that experience like being back in front of the cameras again, back on back on the TV? I was a little bit nervous at first. Yeah, uh, but 
as soon as I seen Holly, she's just 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 beautiful, and then she she really is a beautiful woman, and that really did calm me down. I must admit, just looking at her. Yeah, it sort of takes your eye off the thing. It's like, oh, I'm back in a room with Holly Willoughby. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, it just took me my hand off and all all my worries. I was just looking at her and thinking, you know, we were really, uh, really that, that beautiful in real life. <laughs> and it just, it just calmed me, you know. And it's... Uh, and, Philip, and Philip was cool as well. I mean, you know, I can't not mention him. <laughs> they, both, they both come up to me before I, I mm. went on air and, and said hello and, you know... I, I, came out a kiss you know <laughs> so it was um they, they did settle me before i went on and you need that they put us up in a hotel the night before mm. with my partner we went up and had a nice night you know had something to eat and chilled out so it's a lot more when you do go on you're all relaxed you're not rushing around like some shows i've i've got you know i've got a taxi and burst through the doors to be on within a minute or two you know and i'm yeah I'm, you're not ready then when you do a show like that and everything's taken care of and you're just a lot more relaxed when you're on it's it's been absolutely uh, great to hear about your experiences this morning george now i, I i'm gonna i'll be honest with you usually we get our guests to choose three tracks and uh, and i did have three lined up for you and uh, we've been we've been chatting and i honestly didn't want to stop you talking because it was absolutely fascinating so I'm, I'm gonna have to i'll play a U2 song on the other side on the other side of the news if that's all right because uh, you've chosen a brilliant one angel of harlem uh but but of course we're gonna go up to the news now um you chose a beatles track on your on your list of songs on there i couldn't let it go i mean you're you're a proud scout uh, uh, just out of interest, are you blue or red? Red. You're a red. red. How are you feeling about Benitez this morning? Uh, you know what? It, if he does really well and starts winning games, I don't think anyone's going to complain, you know? No, that's true. It's uh, just uh, in terms of uh, I did my training in in Liverpool to be a teacher. I was uh, over at uh, the Institute of Performing Arts over there. And uh, and it was one of those things I found. It was like you were either in one camp or another and uh, you know, neither of the twain shall meet. Um, yeah, and of course, you've chosen a Beatles song on your on your list. Uh, I mean, is, is it is it just part of the, the, the living there that you just, you know, yeah, do you have to like the Beatles or... <laughs> Or is it, or is it just that because they are so good, everyone goes to them? I just grew up on them. My dad yeah. used to play. My dad more than me, but my dad used to play Beatles albums. You know, when I was younger, I was two, three, and it just drummed into me. And you just can't help but like them. And Norwegian words, which, if you listen to the words, is a true story as well. It's Lennon is very cheeky. That ha- actually happened. He did meet a Norwegian girl yeah. and go back to a, a little log cabin where she lived. And things didn't happen the way he wanted, mm. so he set her set it on fire. Oh my and it was goodness! All hushed up at the time. It was all hushed up at the time because the Beatles, you know, didn't want Lennon to whatever to get out the news about this. But he, he goes and writes a song about it anyway, which no one no one knew really happened. He just thought it was a lovely love song. <laughs> Well, George, we're going to play it for you now. This is Norwegian Wood. This bird has flown. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, we'll speak to you again soon, hopefully. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. And so we come to the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. My thanks this week go to George Wilson for joining me on the show uh, and uh, for talking about his book From Grange Hill to Bipolar and Back. Of course, he played Ziggy in that great children's TV series uh, during the uh, late 80s. Uh, and it was uh, really lovely as well to, to hear about his honesty and candidness about his mental health issues and about struggling with bipolar, but also some really good advice for anybody uh, who's really coming to terms with their own mental health. It was uh, refreshing to uh, 
Jeez, that's John and Steve with him on the phone. Uh, so uh, thank you very much to George. All that remains for me to do now is to say thank you very much to everyone at Rossendale Radio for allowing us to broadcast each week and, of course, to Melanie Kemp for her work editing Waffle, the bite-sized podcast. We'll be back with you with another great guest next week. Stay safe, everybody.